Thanks, Charles. Uh, hey, I'll take that clicker. Thanks. This guy trying to sabotage me already. I feel like I haven't like preached here in months, and some of you are like, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, but I'm so grateful that you're uh, here this morning. If you haven't met me, my name's Joe, and I serve on our pastoral team. And uh, today we are really getting into this series on wisdom literature. Last week we sort of talked about an overview, um, but today we're going to really get into it and we're talking about pride. Now, pride sometimes is good. I want you to think of something that you are proud of. Maybe it's your kids or your grandkids. I'm very proud of my kids and who they've become, and I accredit all of their good qualities to their mother. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe it's your character, your accomplishments. You've done some really cool stuff in your life. Maybe you've built a business and built a team to run that business. Maybe it's a healthy pride about being, in, being a part of a church where you like inviting people to. I love being a part of a church like the chapel. I think about our student ministry and how it's grown over the past year and a half, and not just in numbers, but in depth. There are students that are genuinely seeking Jesus, and that's incredible. Our young adults ministry, which I think is the coolest group of people I know, they are young people who are post-graduation, you know, maybe they're in the workforce, so they're doing distance learning, so they're staying in the area, and they're meeting together, they're leading, they're, they're growing closer to Jesus, it's incredible. Think about things like Celebrate Recovery, that's helping people through all types of hurts, hang-ups, those types of things. Uh, curbside, where we get to be the church for our community, the missions that we've been a part of. Chapel kids, parents, you know, maybe it's your kids that make sure that you're at church on time every week and coming consistently because they love being a part of what's going on in chapel kids. Or I think about <clears throat> the hundreds of volunteers that we have across all three campuses. This is not a staff-run church. If, if it was, it would not be any good. Like, it is because of the hundreds of volunteers giving their resources, their time, their energy, their finances, all of those things to make this church, this ministry possible. And, and I am proud of that. Maybe you're proud of what God has done in your life that, you know, you were a mess, but God pulled you out of the gutter, brushed you off and is working in your life. And that's something that, that you can be proud of, but, but not all pride is good. Not all pride is healthy. And we're going to address that unhealthy pride today and then find <clears throat> the wisdom to deal with it. Because let's be clear, unhealthy pride which is sin, is something that God hates. And I know that's not a popular word. That's not a popular thing to talk about. Maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm okay with that. So as we, as we look today at the book of Proverbs, we're going to spend some time in Proverbs 6. So if you want to turn there, uh, we're going to talk about some things, including pride, that God absolutely hates. Sometimes this list is referred to as the seven deadly sins. Now, that the Bible doesn't say that these are the deadly sins, but this list has had a long history in Christianity. It's sometimes called, these, these sins are called vices. And these vices will become harmful habits in your life and shape the way you live your lives. And they will destroy you and destroy your relationships. The first one that is listed here is haughty eyes. So Proverbs 6 16 through 19 says this, there's six things the, Lord's hate, the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests. First one, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, 
a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. So that word haughty means to be highly exalted, lifted up, prideful. Some, some, some translations use that word prideful. And so the Lord hates haughty eyes. He hates prideful eyes, eyes that elevate ourselves and they look down on other people. And I don't think it's an accident either that pride is listed here as the first among six other things that God detests. God hates pride. And this is found in not just here, but in several other Proverbs. If you look at Proverbs 16, 5, it says, The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Here, God gets even more personal. He says it's not just pride that he hates, but those whose lives are defined by pride is that he hates that and he will punish them. And now, I understand that that is not a comfortable thing to deal with, right? And you may have an issue with what I'm saying, but I just want you to know you don't have an issue with me. You have an issue with what God is saying here. So he goes on, Proverbs 8, uh, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 13, it says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride. The writer is saying, I hate pride and arrogance and corruption and perverse speech. Here, the writer of Proverbs saying that, that this hatred of pride by God himself should cause us, his followers, to also hate this pride. Have you ever thought about it that way? Not just pride in others. Because you might be listening to this message right now and you're already like, yeah, I know some people that need to hear this. You might need to hear it too. Because, because not just pride in others, but pride in ourselves. I, I mean, I usually know pride when I see it, usually in other, especially in others. But what about if and when I see it in myself? What do I do when somebody calls me out on something? Well, I usually excuse it, or I defend it, or I justify it, or I blame it on them, right? Or something or someone else that caused me to do that. But, but you see, pride isn't just something that God wants to sort of minimize in our lives. No, no, pride is something that God wants to kill before it kills us and our relationships. Now, God doesn't hate pride just for the sake of hating. He wasn't just like, hey, I just need some stuff to hate. No, he hates pride because of how it affects people. Think about this. If there was somebody that you loved dearly and there was something in their life that was causing harm or destruction... I feel like it would be natural and necessary to hate whatever that is, whether it's a habit or a health condition or a relationship, whatever that might be. God hates pride because of how it affects people. Think about it. Pride was the first and worst sin that led to all the others. It was pride that led an angel named Lucifer to think that he could take God's place and as a result fell from heaven and was cast away from God for eternity. It was pride that led that fallen angel to appear as a serpent to deceive Adam and Eve. And it was pride that led Adam and Eve to think that God was holding out on them, right? That there was something that God was keeping back, that God wasn't completely good. And it caused them to think that they could take God's place and, and, and turn their backs against him and to take a bite of that forbidden fruit, the one thing God said that they shouldn't do. And, and it was that pride then that caused this great split between humanity and God. And that pride is still in humanity today. It's in me and it's in you. Pride has infected humanity and it has caused horrendous, terrible damage. That's why God hates pride. Because of what it has done and what it does to people. Maybe one of the most infamous proverbs about, or proverbs about pride is this. 
Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Pride led to the, hum- to the fall of humanity as a whole. And that proverb reminds us that we see pride creeping up in our lives or in the lives of others. You can be absolutely sure that destruction, some form of destruction is going to follow that. Which leads us to our bottom line truth. So if you walk out of here today and you only remember one thing that I say, make it this. Don't let pride be your pitfall. Don't let pride be your pitfall. So in our remaining time, I want us to look at some of the pitfalls of pride and then get practical on how we can combat that pride in our lives. So first, let's take a sobering look at some of the pitfalls that pride can bring in our life. It says, pride will keep us from seeing and seeking God. Psalm Psalm 10, 4, the wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. I love how C.S. Lewis sums this up. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. This has been something in my life. You know, before God got a hold of me, I, I honestly thought that I didn't really need God. You know, I, my life was okay. Um, I was kind of doing my own thing, making my own decisions. Things were going well until they weren't. It took for God to allow me to get to the bottom of the barrel, to the end of my resources, the end of the rope, before I realized that, man, my self-sufficiency was not real. And maybe you're a pretty good person, right? You seem to have it all together. From all outward appearances, like, you are that person or that family that that people want to be like, you know? You've got a great job. Your family's good. You don't cuss too much. You don't drink a lot. You don't smoke. You know, you're moral. You, you, you're conservative or, or you're liberal or whatever that is. And it's like, you, you know, your bills are paid. You've got a good job, right? Things are going well until they're not. Maybe you get a diagnosis, right? Maybe a relationship comes to an end. Maybe your identity gets compromised and you wake up and your bank balance is gone. Whatever that might be, right? And then you realize that your self-sufficiency, your pride in thinking that you had it all together was never real. It was a facade. And in fact, not only is it just dangerous, but pride puts us in direct opposition to the God of the universe. James, who was the the half-brother of Jesus, wrote that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. A pitfall of pride is that you are actually opposed. You are against the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God who loves you and sent his son to die as a sacrifice for you, the God whose air you are currently breathing. And so we can either humble ourselves before God or God will humble us. You know, maybe you, you know, maybe have you ever had times in your life where you, you got it all together and you think you're pretty cool and then God humbles you? It's never happened to me, but maybe, no, it has happened to me. I'll give you some examples. Um, for example, I, I'm in charge of our communications at work, and if you open up the worship program that's beautifully designed that you were handed on your way in, you'll see that gratitude is spelled wrong. That's okay. We only printed 1,250 of them, all right? You think a guy in charge of communications would know how to spell words, but I don't. We went to a conference one time in Indiana, 
And uh, our middle, middle school lead in Sandusky, Ken, he was like, hey, I have some friends in Indiana we're going to stay with at their house. I was like, oh, cool. So we get to their house, and they're, give us an, they're giving us a tour. And there's all these instruments hanging on the wall, these musical instruments. And I was like, Who, whose instruments are these? They're like, oh, those belonged to our son, Rich Mullins. I was like, oh, that's cool. Who's Rich Mullins? I almost got my Christianity revoked right then. And if you don't know who Rich Mullins is, you need Jesus, okay? No, Rich Mullins wrote, our God is an awesome God. I mean, he was pretty, a pretty big deal. I thought I was very cool until that point, right? Um, I want you to know that I know that I preached an entire service earlier this year with my zipper down, okay? And none of you said anything. You didn't text me. You didn't give me a signal. Nobody remembers anything I said that service, okay? And obviously those are humorous examples, but there's been real times in my life where my pride, whether it's my words or whatever, have negatively affected my wife and my family. I literally had to call my son this morning before the first service and apologize to him for something I said yesterday. God will humble us, right? And at the end of the day, regardless of what you believe about God, I promise you that you do not want to be in opposition against him. But this is just one of the great pitfalls of pride. Pride keeps us from seeing God and from seeking God. The next one is that pride will keep us from seeing ourselves for who we really are. Proverbs uh, 21.2 says, People may be right in their own eyes, but God examines our heart. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. So I want to ask you this. Are you the type of person who just knows that you're right? Okay? You think black and white. You think true and false. And you're always, uh, stop pointing fingers, you're always on the side of truth. And you can dismantle any argument against your views, your beliefs, your values, your thoughts, <clears throat> Your interpretation of the Bible is the only correct interpretation. You have the inside track on current events, all right? You have the correct view on what's going on in the world, right? And you wouldn't label yourself as prideful. You just know the truth. That's it. You're not prideful. You just know what's right. And because of this, no one wants to get close to you. And no one wants to talk to you because there's no room for the views and opinions of other people. There is no gray. There's only black and white. There's only right and wrong. And you are right. This is pride. And when we start thinking, when we start leaning on our own strength and abilities, pride will be our pitfall. You know, I have a relationship in my life that was black and white. It was right and wrong. Uh, and guess where I was? I was in the right. I've always said there's two ways to do something. The way I do it, and then the wrong way. There was no gray area, but there was also no real relationship. It kept me from depending on God because I had already figured this, issue, this situation out. I was relying on myself, and that pride was my pitfall. And I had, to, I had to turn away from that. I had to repent and understand that there are times when I'm not right. Things are not always black and white. Sometimes there's gray, and we have to be willing to walk into that gray with people sometimes in order to love them well. 
to build relational equity so that we can share truth with humility. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that there isn't truth. There is truth. God's word is truth. But are you really sharing God's truth with humility? Or have you already decided that the way that you interpret this truth is the only way? And maybe you don't think this is a problem. Maybe you don't think that you're like this. Please do me a favor and ask someone else. And then listen to what they say. And don't minimize it. Don't justify it. Don't excuse it. Just listen. Again, just to be clear, there is truth. God's word is truth. But we must share it with humility and realize that as humans, we are fallible. We need to be willing to listen to others and a lot of times assume that we are at least partially wrong. If I'm going to get into a conversation with somebody about an issue that's potentially contentious or debatable, I like to assume that I'm at least partially wrong on something and that I have something that I can learn from that other person. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying that I need to put myself in a position to say there's probably something that I'm not clear about and that I could learn about. Pride will keep us from seeing ourselves for who we really are. And pride will also help us or keep us from seeing others for who they really are. Proverbs 30, 12 and 13 says, They are pure in their own eyes, but they are filthy and unwashed. So again, we see how pride can keep us from seeing ourselves. It says, you know, we think we're pure in our own eyes, but God says that we are actually filthy and unwashed. But then it says, they look proudly around, casting disdainful glances. One of the pitfalls of pride is that we don't really see people for who they really are. Always looking down on others, comparing ourselves to others, judging others. And so it's confession time. And I'm not here to air out my dirty laundry, but I can't stand up here as a hypocrite saying, hey, I've got this figured out. Y'all need to listen to me. Because I don't. Because the reality is, is that I, I, I tend to look down on others. Maybe people that don't appear as put together as I am or as educated as I am, maybe as sophisticated or as moral or as well-spoken as I am, but, but that's a horrible thing. As if I earned this, right? As if one day out of the blue, I just decided I was gonna get my life together and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and now I'm a pastor, didn't happen. Anything good in my life is because of the grace of God. How dare I look down on other people who may not have received, received that same grace? For me to look down on others, for us to look down on others, is to place ourselves above the God who created and loves them and knows their story. And so I am sorry for doing that. This message is for me. This attitude keeps us from seeing others the way that God sees them. This attitude keeps us from, from remembering that at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. And the result can be that we miss the opportunity to love other people, to serve other people, to help other people, because we may not think that they deserve it. See, that baby agrees. Tim Keller says this so well. He says, pride makes sympathy nearly impossible. Pride keeps us from really noticing people, from putting ourselves in their shoes, from recognizing when they are hurting or unhappy. It keeps us absorbed with our own agendas and our own needs. Pride can keep us from seeing God, from seeing ourselves for who we really are, and from seeing others for who they really are. And the result, I promise you, is destruction. Destruction in our lives and destruction in our relationships. 
Our relationship with God suffers. Our relationship with ourselves suffers. And our relationships with others are damaged or maybe even worse, completely destroyed. You may be in a relationship or have been in a relationship that no longer exists because one of you is just too full of yourselves, too prideful to admit that you are wrong. And so maybe you're here and you're still like, yeah, I don't really know if I struggle with that, and that's okay. So I just want to give 10 signs that pride could potentially be lurking in your heart. Number one, I have very strong opinions on lots of things. See, I already don't like this. And this list, in case you're wondering, along with the prayers we're going to have at the end, are available in the sermon notes, which are on our app, and also on our website, too. And feel free to take pictures of the screens if you would like. But here's another one. I get defensive if, if corrected or challenged. Are you so right that nobody has any ability or right whatsoever to challenge you on what you say? What you say goes, right? Or you could be critical or argumentative. You talk a lot, but you don't really listen much. I mean, you're like, I got a lot of important things to say. Maybe you do, but so do other people. You feel a sense of entitlement. I deserve that. Maybe some things have not gone right in your life and you're mad with God because you felt like God owed you a certain, certain level of comfort in your life because you've been a good Christian. Here's some more. I struggle with people and authority over me. I can get easily frustrated with others. Maybe because you sort of see yourself at the center of your life and when people aren't doing what they need to do in order to make your life work well that you start to get frustrated because you sort of see them more as, as, instead of people, as things that need to do what they're supposed to do in order for your life to work out the way that you want it to go. You can be overly concerned about appearance or personal reputation. You have control issues. Or if you don't think you have a problem with pride. So since I've just condemned everyone, because we all, we all check something on that list. I want to talk about the next three Proverbs that will, pull, that will point to the pitfall of pride, but also give us the antidote to that pride. So again, you can either let pride be our pitfall, or we can let humility help us. So Proverbs 11.2 says, says that pride leads to what leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. If we humble ourselves... This can lead to wisdom, and we can avoid the pitfall of being disgraced. If we humble ourselves, we'll be able to see ourselves and others and God clearly. Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. If we hold on to pride, and you know this, it's only going to lead to conflict. You've probably experienced this. But if we're willing to listen to the advice of others we can gain wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. How many times have we been humiliated because we were so attached to our own pride, so attached to just being right? And yet this proverb promises that humility will bring honor in our lives. Humility is the antidote to pride. Here's the problem. You can't produce humility on your own. You can't wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm gonna be so humble today. 
and you're just white knuckling it, and you're like, I'm humble, right? It doesn't happen. So what's the solution? Not to sound like a broken record, but solution, the solution is abiding in Jesus, staying connected to Jesus, because the greatest humi- example of humility we have is Jesus. The only way we're going to combat pride is to stay connected to Jesus and then follow his example in action. The book of Philippians tells us this, that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. It said he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. If anyone had the right to be prideful, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. God himself being willing to come to earth to associate with us is humility. God, who saw everything clearly, who saw the sin in our hearts, was still willing to come and be with us. By attaching ourselves to that example of humility and living out that example, that changes us. So again, don't let pride be your pitfall. Let's let humility help us. So as we close our time together, here's what I'm going to do. Something a little bit different. We're going to read three brief prayers that are from Tim Keller's daily devotional in the book of Proverbs. Incredible book. And then I'm going to challenge us with an action step to take after each of that. So I'll say this. Feel free to to read along as I I pray these. Lord, I confess that my own self-pity and self-absorption make me impatient with people who have problems. I want to surround myself with low-maintenance people, but if you had done that, where would I be? Reproduce your sympathetic heart in me. Amen. So here's your action step for this week, maybe today, as soon as you get the opportunity or make the opportunity to take the time to really listen to someone this week who you wouldn't normally give the time of day to. Maybe it's somebody who just, whenever they, you see them coming close to you or you see that text message pop up or the phone rings or whatever, and you're just like, come on, man. Maybe take some time to listen. Maybe take some time to listen. Maybe it's a coworker that just, you know, they just need extra grace. That's what you would say, you know. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Take some time to really listen. Lord, I need help with my tongue. I can speak intemperately and later regret what I've said. And I see some relationships that have been hurt by my ill-advised words. Teach me how to reach out in peace and make friends where I have potential enemies. Amen. So here's your action step. Today, tomorrow, this week sometime, be quick to admit when you've been wrong this week. Admit it and apologize for it. Maybe you need to call someone. Maybe you need to visit someone. And just admit that you are wrong. And don't try to say why. Don't give reasons. Don't give excuses. Just admit and apologize for that. Would you be willing to do that? Lord Jesus, I still covet glory and honor, but I know I should serve without the thought of getting credit so hard. Make your selfless love for me so palpable and affecting that I don't care what others think. Amen. You know, if you're like me, I tend to do stuff, I'll manipulate it just so I can make sure somebody sees it, right? You know, whether it's getting to work early, that's not happening. When it's getting to work, 
whatever it is, you know, I'm going to do something good. I've got to make sure some people know, right? But what if this week you did something good in secret, something that you can't take credit for? Again, maybe it's for one of those people that just require extra grace. Would you be willing to do that? To not let pride be your pitfall, but let the humility of Christ reign in our hearts so that it affects our actions. Father God, I stand before you on behalf of this church as a broken man who needs this humility as much as anybody else. Jesus, help us to stay connected to you so that we have the power to walk forward in humility. Help us to take the time to listen to someone else. God, help us to take the initiative to apologize for something that we've done wrong without excuse, without a reason, just to apologize and to admit. And God, help us this week to go forward and to do good without needing any glory from it. Help us to be like you. In your name.